And the BAFTA for debut game goes to... Gora Goa. Hello and welcome to Laps Game Radio. I'm your host, Ali Cornwall Cornwolf, and on this episode, we'll be talking all things about the gaming BAFTAs, which took place last week. We're going to discuss the awards themselves, as well as the winners. To the best of our knowledge, we've not played all the games. We'll be straight up right now. After that, we're going to talk quickly about some random Sega news we've had this week. Who? And joining me on this episode is my co-host, Kevin Moore. Hello. He wins the award on this episode for consuming the most port and... Stuart Neal. Hello. Who wins the award for so far not failing at all in the Year of Shame Challenge and is finding it far too easy. <laughs> not having the consoles helps so much. <laughs> yeah, he's basically got bits of wood. Easy. <laughs> I'm just sitting here playing solitaire all by myself. <laughs> it's the only game in town. Uh, right, on to the, uh, the BAFTAs. Other than the filming ones, you, is this something you guys follow... Um, the gaming ones at all each year or not bothered? Usually keep a lookout for the news of it, but um, well, I know it's been running for a good long while as well, but overall, again, it plays as much sort of, you know, influence on my choices of games as the, uh, the actual BAFTAs and or Oscars does in my film viewing as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing you don't see like you do in DVDs is you don't really see cases and things of games that's got the, you know, BAFTA winner plastered all over it. Um, unless they specifically re-release it with a new label on it, or it comes out as a Game of the Year edition. Yeah, Platinum it's Edition. Not, it, yeah, it's not really worth them reissuing or reprinting just for that. Yeah. What about yourself, Kev? Yeah, I'm aware that they're out there. <laughs> I, I have heard of them, but not really followed them at all. Again, I think it's just another PR exercise. I'm I'm not big on awards at all, but horses for courses, I guess. I don't follow them, not going to start following them. I did actually look at the winners for this year because I heard there were some pretty weird choices and uh, it, went, it was surprising. I'd love to know a bit more detail about them. I know the film ones have been going for quite a while, so there's some dinosaurs, as we've discussed before, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, with the Oscars and stuff that are on the panels and that, but it'd be nice to know more about these, what constitutes as a audio achievement, how you, how they get entered for it, you know, things like that. Mm. It just, it's a weird one, the gaming ones, because they've not really sung from the rooftops about it either. It just suddenly popped up on Twitter, mm. what, three or four nights yeah. ago, something like that. Was it like Thursday last week? Yeah. Yep. Obviously when we are recording, but um, yeah, you would have thought that if it is a big achievement that they'd have more people mm. doing footage about it and... Press and stuff. I think it depends on just the sort of circles and things that a lot of people sort of go around in. And it depends on how much coverage is actually being done on a lot of the mainstream gaming sites. I think that's part of it. You know, they'll maybe get a little mention whenever the sort of the nomination lists come out. And then they'll maybe get a little, another little mention after the night um, to say that there has been, you know, the awards were there and who won and things like that. Mm. But overall, it's quite quiet and I think it is something that the games industry doesn't necessarily sing an awful lot about because, you know, at the BAFTAs, the fact that it is associated with the um, the film and TV side of it as well could be made into a much bigger deal um, if they actually wanted to push that a little bit harder. But, you know, it could be just the fact that it's just not seen as big enough or an awful lot of people just don't care because 
it's not yeah. Call of Duty and you know FIFA. <laughs> True. Things like is that, it even know? televised? I, I think it's, I think it's streamed, possibly. So they really are niche with this. You know, a lot yeah. of people are aware that they're out there, but they wouldn't even know where to find it anyway. Potentially, yeah. You know, you would have thought someone like Dave, yeah, um, and possibly get um, yeah. what's it, O'Brien, Brian, Brian, Daryl Brian presents it. Yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> so why is it not on? Good choice. Um, like Dave. ITV4. Yeah, exactly. There's that many channels on Sky. Even, um, is it Jinx? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is the gaming channel. Yeah. Something like that would have picked up, especially if it's one that's across everything that's kind of free, if you've got free sat or yeah. whatnot. Somewhere would have picked it up, I would have thought. Give them more money as well, because they've got adverts in it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, moving on, we're just going to rattle through the categories, uh, the winners, and some of the nominees for it. Uh, so, Stu, if you want to start us off, with the the first award. Yeah, well, the first award for this year was the Fellowship Award, which went to Tim Schaefer of Double Fine, um, the software company, who do things like Broken Age and Costume Quest and what have you. Obviously, Tim has been a sort of a fairly big advocate for games and what have you within the industry and things. But again, he's not necessarily a well-known personality outside of um, sort of gaming circles. But again, yeah, a fellowship is quite a big deal. You know, it's akin to people getting the BAFTA fellowships and what have you in film and TV mm. or um, the fellowships in the Oscars and things like that as well. So the fellowship is the industry, if you like, recognising a, a colleague for what they've done. Yes, basically, what, yeah. What they've achieved, yeah. Nice one. Kev, do you want to go for the next one? The next one's a bit baffling. It's artistic achievement. Now, we were t- discussing this earlier and... <sighs> I'm not exactly sure what they mean by artistic achievement. What exactly does that qualify? You look at the games that they've actually put up on there, and they've got Cuphead, Goroga, Gorogoa, 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 Goroga, Gorogoa. Oh my word, that could take as well. Anyway, they've got that one. <laughs> um, Hellblade, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and Uncharted. Now, to me, they don't really smack of being that artistic you know there's nothing that's really outstanding visually i mean cuphead yes definitely that does look quite striking you know and it's quite a distinct visual style but yeah horizon zero dawn's not particularly anything groundbreaking uh mm. uncharted it's the same as every other uncharted it's just a bit more frames per second what have you you know hellblade again yeah it looks nice but you know it's just yeah much of a muchness. So if it is artistic achievement, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what they're shooting for. Zelda's got a bit of a nice art style to it, mm-hmm. but I think they really need to define what it is. Yeah. So just looking at, I know about all of them, apart yeah. from that, Garogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogogog
I've just started playing that on Xbox One X yeah. in 4K, and it does look absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And th- there's a first bit where you're kind of going along in a little rowing boat thing. I think it's like a bit of a log. And it, yeah, it's stunning. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is stunning. Um, I'm not even playing that on a PS4 Pro. And Uncharted, from what I've seen, I've not played it, but that does look really, really good as well. Yeah, the Uncharted games have always pushed it. Naughty Dog have always been able to push exactly whatever console they're doing to the full, you know, so you'd expect nothing less from him. Well, you you two are both film fans, so what if we sort of look at the artistic achievement in the same way that you look at the Director of Photography Award within films? Does that make a little bit more sense? That would make more sense, Yeah. yeah. But then, if that is the similar thing they're going for, then they should reword it slightly because yeah, potentially yeah artistic to me is something that you've painted mm-hmm. or created it's it's an artistic impression yeah like it like set design yeah yeah well i suppose not to an extent the games are sort of a singular vision as such to an extent you know and it's whether or not they achieve that sort of joined up vision and everything sort of fits in with each other nothing really stands out um mm you know, as being sort of really weirdly designed compared to the rest of it sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's there's quite a big split there. There's three games that have unique styles. Yeah. Mm. And then you've got three that are probably the most realistic looking games so far of this generation. Yeah. Hellblade won that. As well as a lot of others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is we'll the, the, that. the outstanding one. Yeah. And, and yeah, it does look really, really good, but I don't know. It's an interesting one. Up next, we have the audio achievement, uh, and the uh, nominees for this one is Call of Duty World War Two, Destiny 2, Hellblade Sinusa Sacrifice, Horizon Zero Dawn, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and Uncharted The Lost Legacy. The winner for this one, again, no surprise for some of these, <laughs> is Hellblade, and I was just talking to the guys in the green room, uh, I've played about the first half an hour, maybe an hour of the game, and it does sound really, really good. It does say when you first boot it up, it's best played with the headphones on. And I'm not being funny. I've not got close to two, three grand of audio system downstairs for me to put headphones on. So I just <laughs> crank the surround sound up, you know, and it does sound really, really good. It's kind of about your internal voices and different things. Yeah, really good. I, I've played all of these games apart from the latest Uncharted and they all sound good, but in their own way, mm-hmm. it's immersion. It's, it's how they immerse you in that atmosphere and into that game. And to be fair, they all do it very well. Mm. Destiny 2 is what it is. That's gone off the boil a little bit. But I think the worst one in that category, I can't speak for Uncharted, for me would be Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm. It looks really good, mm-hmm. but the sound's okay. Pedestrian are the best. Yeah, it's just, you know, like Call of Duty, you've got bombs going off, you've got people shooting all over the place, and you get that whole surround sound and, and whatnot. The same with Destiny. But Horizon Zero Dawn, it sounds good, but there's not enough happening. Do you think that's just been thrown in because they're trying to like keep the fanboys happy? Because to me, the one that's a glaring omission is Wipeout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Wipeout game sounds unbelievable. And it's nowhere. They've put Call of Duty in there instead. I mean, Call of Duty, to be fair, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, they've, they've got some authentic gun sounds in Wavia. Which they've been working on for about 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's all library stuff. You know, it's all library stuff that they can get hold of. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised there isn't a racing game in there. Yeah. A Project Cars or yeah. a Forza or something, because the work that those guys have to do to, obviously you're recording the exhaust of a car, but then for it to make it sound realistic and, and different things, I'm surprised it's not even gotten a mention, because to get a car to sound like what you would drive out the shop, I think that's quite an achievement. Mm. But. 
But you would have thought it would go more technical. I mean, Hellblade, yeah, that is that does sound really, really good for what I've played with of it so far. Yeah. But I don't know. Is it technical? Because to be fair, I'm sure, especially yourself, Kev, making all you have to do in a way is say, right, this voice is coming out of this speaker, this one's coming out of that yeah. speaker. I, I don't know. I don't know. They're all good at immersing you, especially the Star Wars one. There's nothing like a bit of pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I'm baffled as to why Star Wars didn't make it because that's what makes those games so good in the first place. Mm. Yeah. It's certainly not the gameplay. Oops. Did I just say that? <laughs> I'll get my oh. coat. Oh. <laughs> Best game then. So the nominations list was Assassin's Creed Origins, Hellblade Sinua's Sacrifice, Horizon Zero Dawn, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, and What Remains of Edith Finch. The game that went home with the award was What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, the only one that I've played out of this lot is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Same with me. Which I think sat really well amongst most of our game of the years last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that didn't win. I know Mark, I think, had played What Remains of Edith, Edith Finch. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I've played all of them apart from What Remains of Edith, Edith <laughs> Finch. Get my words out. However, interestingly, that is. And it's got nothing to do with the BAFTAs because it was already announced. That is a Games with Gold this month. Oh, okay. From today, I think. Mm-hmm. I might give it a go. I don't think it's my kind of game. I can't remember what Mark said about it, if I'm brutally honest. No, well, I know the Kodak guys keep singing its praises. Yeah. Right. Um, because if it's another one of these kind of random ones where you're locked in a house or whatever and you've got to find out why someone killed themselves or something. By reading a diary. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, give me a gun. Give me pop, pop, blowy, blowy, or whatever. Even some Lego, <laughs> something. I mean, I tried to play one of them for a code at moments last year, and I just gave up. Like, <laughs> I know it's all about the story and stuff, but if I want to read, I'll read a book, magazine, <laughs> top shelf. You know what I mean? Zoo's gone. I can't read Zoo anymore. But I, I mean, I might be doing the, the games at this, this service, but they're not for me. But you would have thought that one of the two. Nintendo games would have possibly have won that for how much praise they've both got. Mm. Well, when you look at the Rotten Tomato score on Zelda, you know, it's still like dizzy. You know, it's like 99 yeah. or 100. Mm. I can't remember. But it's, you know, it, it's been lauded as the most perfect game ever. And then they've just picked this weird little indie game. Fair play to them. You know, that takes some guts. But. It's, yeah, it's gonna it's really gonna upset the Nintendo fanboys, and let's face it, there are legions of those weirdos. So, <laughs> yeah. So on Metacritic, it's got eighty eight percent. Edith Finch. Oh right. Yeah. Hmm. I think the the people that have played it though do tend to come away and just you know sing the praises pretty high. So mm. I don't know. Breath of the Wild is currently sat at ninety seven. <laughs> wow. It's slipping there. Uh, and, yeah, I know it doesn't mean a lot, but some of them's probably just people being dicks for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you remember, reviewers, as far as reviewers, Edge gave Breath of the Wild a 10, and it's the yep. first time they'd give a 10 since the <laughs> last um, Zelda game. Uh, no, not quite, uh, since Majora's Mask. I can't remember what it was, but it was quite a while ago, yeah. It was Majora's Mask, wasn't it? Mm, it could have been, yeah. yeah. So... Interesting one. Mm. It must have, whoever's on the panel, uh, Edith Finch must have had that much of an impact on them. Mm. Now, here's the thing. If you're on the panel, do you have to play 
every one of these games. I'd like to think so and put yeah. significant time into it. Well, I'm just thinking what it's like with the Oscars. Um, you know, the, the whole ludicrous thing where the Oscars, you've got these people that are voting for films they've never seen. Mm-hmm. Is that possibly the same thing? Now, from what I saw on Twitter, I th- have a funny feeling that there might be like a different judging panel for each of the different categories. So whether or not that has any sort of impact on it, that maybe different people would rate different games in different ways, depending on what panel they're on and things like that, um, might have a little bit of an impact, potentially. Because otherwise, if you set somebody down, you know, a small group of people to try and play all of these games as much as they possibly can, it's, yeah, it's a massive time sink uh, to get that done. Right, well, I'll skip through these pretty quickly because this is pretty self-explanatory. Best British game nominations were Monument Valley 2, Reigns Her Majesty, The Sexy Brutal, Sniper Elite 4, Total War Warhammer 2, which I didn't even think was British, but there you go. Well done. And um, then, of course, the winner, which was Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Hellblade, yeah. Uh, which I didn't realise, Ninja Theory then is British. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I didn't realise Ninja Theory was based in the UK. I always presumed because of Devil May Cry and and whatnot that they were more uh, like Japanese, something Mm. like that. Yeah, because the art style especially suggests that it's Japanese, yeah. Uh, Based in Cambridge. Oh, okay. They also did Disney Infinity 3.0. But again, yeah, I didn't realise some of these. I knew Sniper Elite 4 is because that's Rebellion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I'm honest, apart from Total Warhammer, the rest I didn't even know were games. They <laughs> 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 know they existed. I thought The Sexy Brutal was a film. <laughs> yeah. Ali, you should have a go at uh, Monument Valley and Monument Valley 2 on iOS because they are Ooh. just lovely little games. They are very um, sort of Escher-esque um, sort of little puzzle games uh, with a little narrative story running through it as well. They are very, very nice looking and well worth playing. This looks similar to a blog you did on the website? Mm-hmm. Yes, there was one on your mobile gaming, I think it was January? Um, possibly. I think there's a little gift for it, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'll have to give it a go. Yeah. Also, the Reigns games are really good as well. It's basically a narrative Tinder, <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> don't get too, um, don't yeah, get I mean, too excited, I- but it's, it's really good. You swipe left or right to make a different choice depending on what character is asking you to do something. Oh, okay. So it's really nice and quick to it's play. It's a bit like a, a Tinder version of uh, Telltale Games. Yeah, almost, yes. So next up, we have debut game. Uh, so we've got Cuphead, Hollow Knight, Night into the Woods, The Sexy Brutal, Slime Rancher, and the winner is Gorogora. Yeah. Gorogora. Gorogora. Like Bora Bora. Gorogora. Um, Goranga. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to check out this game, aren't we? Because. Yeah. Um, it's available on iOS, PC, and I think possibly a couple of the consoles as well. Um, oh, okay. It came out late um, last year, maybe, well, maybe sort of Octoberish, I think, in 2017. 14th of December. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Android, iOS, Nintendo Switch, and Windows. I'll check it out yeah. as soon as I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it might be coming out, out on PS4 and Xbox One. It looks more like a kind of a, a, a kid's storybook that you play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of another game that I've played that's got a similar art style to it, where it's, you know, like a, a children's book that's been coloured and stuff, and like the fades out a little bit. Yeah, The Lost Bear is probably the closest thing I can think of right now. Mm. Yeah, possible. Yeah. Okay, moving on to evolving game then. We have 
Clash Royale, Final Fantasies 15, Fortnite, Overwatch, Player Unknown's Battleground, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Siege, or Rainbow Six Siege, and the winner for that one was Overwatch. Now, the evolving game category is more of a game that they keep sort of updating and what have you, particularly with um, sort of multiplayer, um, sort of the massive multiplayer online games and things like that. So obviously, you know, a couple of the bigger ones then are um, PUBG, Overwatch and Fortnite, um, particularly in that category. Uh, The winner overall was Overwatch. It's hard to know. I think from a lot of people that we've spoken to and what have you, the um, Overwatch tweaks and things have been more just tweaks than necessarily actually putting anything new into the game. Yeah. Well, since release, it has had probably close to four new maps now. Yeah. Four new arenas and probably four, maybe six new characters as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Um, I guess Evolving Game is potentially, f- and I won't even say it's free because Tom Clancy's, I know some of theirs you have to pay for, some of the Final Fantasy stuff you have to pay for, mm-hmm. um, but unless it's because they've added more uh, well, content for longer than a year. Yeah, potentially. But then Fortnite hasn't even been going a year, has it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not like that long. So I don't understand how that's in that category. Because all they're doing is either trying to trump playing unknown battlegrounds mm. and get one up on them, or well, I don't know, because there's a massive legal battle going on as well as yeah, there is, yeah. But the, one of them sort of seemingly copying the other one's engine <laughs> or whatever, or just because yeah. of the because they're so similar and things like that. Yeah, and it looks like I think Fortnite's losing out on that one. Mm. It would be great if they put on the website some background to what constitutes what classifies as an evolving game. Mm. Because technically all games are evolving. Sea of Thieves will constantly evolve, but even Forza will constantly evolve because they're constantly adding stuff to it, making updates to the game, making updates to online playability. Yeah. Mm. Well, as one of our listeners came back, um, Saltar, um, whenever we tweeted out earlier, just saying where we're discussing it, what have you, um, between Saltar and Kev, they were basically saying that, you know, the Overwatch bits and pieces are, he said, they're more sort of tweaked as opposed to evolved. Um, with something like uh, mm. Wildlands um, having a little bit more reinvigoration, what have you? Yeah. Kev, Kev even said that the updates and things to No Man's Sky um, have been an awful lot more and changed that game an awful lot more than you know than what it was whenever it originally came out. Yeah, monumentally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and even the division as well. That's changed for a fair amount in terms of gameplay wise since launch, mm-hmm. which has also gained them a lot more. They've got quite a hardcore following. Mm-hmm. after a year or two that it's been going um, but they've also got a real hardcore following for that but they've they've really enhanced the game to make it better to make things you know they've listened to the, the, the feedback that they've got from those fans and they're actually gaining they lost quite a lot of I wouldn't say subscribers but a lot of players um, and then they've, they've boosted up again and I would have thought that that would have been in there I mean Rainbow Six Siege is, is a very similar thing uh, Ubisoft started out with these games and then they don't seem to give up on them, which is a good thing. Yeah. Interesting category, that one. Yeah, well, there's one that seems to be missing that I would have expected to be in there, bizarrely, and that's ARMS for the Switch. That's up to its fifth, nearly sixth update now, and mm-hmm. each time they update it, there's something extra going in there. Mm-hmm. You know, extra need to get that. under the hood stuff. Yeah, you do have to get it. It's great online fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fighters have changed so much you know it's just yeah. well really even better. splatoon as well yeah 
Yeah, yeah. they're adding quite a bit to Splatoon, and it's all free. Oh yeah. Um, the amount of characters they've added. I think they've added some new maps and new weapons and stuff. Yeah. Well, to me, the the classic examples of an evolving game would have to be Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. Which is just forever evolving. That never stops. And mm. um, No Man's Sky. Um, yeah. All these seem to be is best updated game. I don't know. It's a str- it, we could talk about it all day. It's a strange one. Mm. Speaking of strange ones then, best family game. <laughs> <laughs> the nominations are Just Dance 2018, Lego Worlds, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Monument Valley 2, Snipperclips, and Super Mario Odyssey. Now, the winner, of course, was Super Mario Odyssey. I'm a bit baffled as to why they think that's a family game because you can only have two players at the most i don't know yeah it seems like is a solo it because player. one of you can play as the the hat and the other is mario and i don't even know i've not even looked at it because i mean i've finished the game but i would never play it with somebody else because people just get on my nerves anyway but <laughs> yeah but even just dance i don't know is that dependent on the songs and stuff it's a bit yeah I won't it must be me. Only time I dance is when I'm absolutely out my tree, and then I'm not going to be <laughs> dancing in front of some coloured screen because that'll just make me vomit. Yeah. Right, just wait till um, you're a game of this year and we'll stay over in the hotel. <laughs> load, load up your switches, lads. I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, there's an omission here that seems a bit baffling, and that's Switch 1 2, which was actually designed as a straightforward party interaction game. Mm-hmm. Where's yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um You've got Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. That is a two player game, but that's about as far as it goes and it's not really a family game because there's a lot of tactical stuff going on there that you can't sit your six year old in front of and go, There you go, lad. Knock yourself out. It's XCOM. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. And Monument Valley two, Stu, is that in that mobile game? Yeah, it's <laughs> very much a single-player game, and the only thing I can think of that sort of categorises things as family games is that just because maybe of the age ratings on them, you know, that's the only thing that I could necessarily think. Well, sure, even something like Lego Worlds is it not potentially single-player? Single-player as well, yeah. Yeah. So it it must come down to what is potentially aimed at kids or what fits into a certain age range. <laughs> After I've completed Super Mario Odyssey. That is not aimed at kids. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so moving on, we've got Beyond Entertainment, another strange category for you. I mean, Beyond Entertainment. What? (laughs) I might have a little insight to this, but we'll see. Go on. Uh, You've got Bury Me, My Love, Last Day of June, Life is Strange Before the Storm, Night into the Woods, and Sea Hero Quest VR. And the winner, if you've not already guessed this by now, (laughs) isn't Super Mario Odyssey, it's Holy. I guess beyond entertainment means that there's a underlining kind of educational kind of baseline uh, yeah. to it. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So Hellblade, front and centre, when you first start the game and the credits start to roll, and it's done very, very well, but the first one that's fairly big on the screen is that they had a mental health expert yeah. help them write the game. Hmm. So I'm presuming beyond entertainment, is it's a very shit way of, saying that it's more than just a game. Mm. See, I thought it was the opposite. I thought it was a game beyond entertainment meant that it goes beyond entertainment and gets really boring. <laughs> <laughs> See, when I first read it, I thought beyond entertainment, does that mean it's got lots of 
merchandise or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, the best T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I guess it it just means that there's a because obviously life is strange has that whole emo yeah. thing mm-hmm. behind it. I can't speak for the others because I have no idea. Sea Hero Quest is that the one where you're underwater and Sea Hero Quest is. I have a funny feeling it's like an Alzheimer's game um, or... I need um, that. <laughs> it's something to do with the... Whenever it originally came out, um, the, in the non-VR version, um, there was a way of oh. them collating all the stats and things like that as part of Alzheimer's research. Yes! So there was. So the VR version is then obviously just an enhanced version of that. Oh, yes, I think I remember hearing something Ironically, like we've all forgotten about this. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Bury Me, My Love is a text messaging adventure game about Noor, a Syrian migrant trying to find her way to Europe. Um, her husband, Majad, um, who remains behind in Syria, communicates with Noor through a messaging app advising her as best he can so that she can reach her destination safely. Yeah, it's... Just an awful lot about the stories and what have you that are going on um, behind the actual scenes in the game. Mm. We then go into game design. The nominations are Assassin's Creed Origins, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Nier Automata, Super Mario Odyssey, What Remains of Edith Finch. And the winner is Super Mario Odyssey. Because Hellblade wasn't nominated. (laughs) (laughs) I presume game design's fairly self-explanatory. I mean, we could all be fairly ignorant here because we've not watched the show. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that the presenters would give us a little bit of insight as to what each award is and what it's for. Um, And I presume game design's just how it flows and how it's designed. I think it's more game mechanic, surely, because, you know, you've already got your art style and stuff covered already so mm. and if it is down to mechanics then yeah super mario odyssey definitely deserves it because for each world or each level you turn up on there's something new that you learn you know you and cappy cappy suddenly will take on a new ability and you're shown it right at the beginning of that level and then you can progress from there so yeah yeah you know i mean the rest of those games are pretty much Self-explanatory, you know, once you've started with those set of skills, it's pretty much all the time through it. Mm. Some inventive stuff, but yeah. No, you could argue maybe Breath of the Wild just for the simple fact that because there is so much stuff in it and people are not quite breaking the game, but almost cheesing through some of the shrines and things like that by using (laughs) all the special powers and what have you that are available to you. There must have been thinking that people might be able to try things like that in the game whenever they were developing it. You know, there's no way that they couldn't have not thought about um, people trying those things uh, as possibilities. Yeah. Next up, then, is game innovation, where you've got Gura 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 Hellblade, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Near Automata, Snipperclips, and What Remains of Edith Finch. And the winner is, of course, Breath of the Wild. Game innovation. Hasn't this already been covered in some other category? Yeah. Isn't that part of the mechanics? I don't know. <laughs> See, game innovation, would that not be where you're encouraged to use, say, the, the Joy-Cons to, you know, control Mario or something? Yeah, that, yeah, it could be. Use your hardware, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Innovation is, is not far off game design, is it not? Potentially. Mm, what do you do in What Remains of Edith Finch that makes it stand out enough to be a game innovation contestant? Yeah, I mean, like ARMS. That would be yeah. innovating, mm. but it depends what they're categorising innovation as. Mm. 
we will definitely have to do a little bit more research <laughs> into this to try and find yeah. out <laughs> what all these categories actually mean or what constitutes. Um, oh, but I mean, uh, oh, we can just get everybody to tweet us. Tweet us <laughs> what these things mean because we can't be asked. What's your interpretation? <laughs> but to be fair, if people haven't got time, like Laps Gamers, hey. to watch the live streams mm-hmm. and they just go on their phone and they see, oh, these have won the BAFTAs, click here to read the rest of mm-hmm. them then there should be some explanation like what we're doing as to some of them are easy. Yeah. Some of them are yeah. a little bit ambiguous, but there should be something there to say what constitutes as a innovation Yeah, what, or what they've, what they've won it on, mm-hmm. you know, like on um, the normal BAFTAs and things, it, it will say best, you know, supporting actor in this role. And then you can kind of Google it to see what they've done mm-hmm. or music in a certain film, mm-hmm. um, set design, you know, they, they seem to be more specific, whereas this is a bit, mystical yeah <laughs> they might need to tweak the categories a little bit moving on um i get the strange one yay mobile game Whoa. get in so the uh, the nominees are bury me my love golf clash gura gura seems to be in every goddamn category <laughs> out of spite <laughs> uh, kami 2 monument valley 2 and stranger things the game i thought that was awful i'm sure that got panned I'm not sure. I know it was an 8-bit thing, but probably working with the best they've got. Yeah, that's, I think that's the one. I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah. I never tried it. Yeah, me uh, And the winner is Golf Clash, which bizarrely I'd started playing on my iPad, um, which is just basically a golf game. <laughs> <laughs> you, you level up your clubs. Strange inclusion. I mean, how is exciting that, can you make golf? I think we've found the tagline for the sleeve art just there. <laughs> it's just a golf game. Ali Cornwolf. (laughs) (laughs) Two stars. Um, I mean, I've still got it installed. It's not... (laughs) You've not ditched it. (laughs) No, because it's not encouraging me to buy anything. Oh, yeah. Well, that's something at least. Oh, that's good. Multiplayer games then. Nominees are Divinity, Original Sin 2, Fortnite, Gang Beasts, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, Splatoon 2, and Star Trek Bridge Crew. The winner was Divinity, Original Sin 2. So... I have played Divinity Original Sin 2, mm-hmm. and it is very, very good. Yeah. It's, I don't know what camera angle you class it as. I think Stu has a good word for it, where it's not directly down, but not third person. Um, not quite isometric, but yeah. sort of elevated position or whatever, something like that, yeah. Yeah. When you say it's a multiplayer game, I guess it is because you are multiplayer. You play with a friend. You can play it single player. Uh, and basically, you all control a character and go through the game. It's very much like Diablo. Yeah. Which would ring more bells with a lot of people as the, the more popular thing in that franchise. I've put quite a lot of hours into it and it is really, really good. Didn't realise it would win best multiplayer. And there are some games in that that either may deserve it more mm. or may may not even be on the list. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting choice. I'm happy that something different has won. Well, I've played three of those, bizarrely, which is weird for me because I'm supposed to be the one that doesn't <laughs> play multiplayer games. But yeah. I played Gang Beasts. I thought that was great. Um, played that two years on bounce at EGX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's finally making something of itself. Yeah. Great. Splatoon 2 played, played to death. It's love it. Odd that that's yep. not there. And then, of course, Star Trek Bridge Crew, where I just turn up in the lobby pissed and then do nothing. Yeah, I have that installed. I haven't got VR, but nobody played with me. Um, <laughs> Don't bother asking Codec guys because they'll just leave you in the lobby pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> Fortnite, I've not played the Battle Royale mode, which, if I'm honest, I think that is a little bit cheeky. I think it is multiplayer as well. I'm not sure. 
mm-hmm. the main game. Yeah. But interesting. Player unknown battlegrounds. I'm surprised that didn't win because for the last six months or so that's been hot mm. in has been, the communities. Yeah. And Gang Beast, I remember seeing it, but yeah, I don't know. Another strange one. It is. I'm surprised there's not a COD in there, a Destiny, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. your usual big hitters yeah. in that. Yeah. There's the weird thing, again, I'm going to just stand here banging my drum. Um, arms, where the bloody hell is Arms? Grand Theft Auto 5? Yeah. Bearing in mind, it suddenly got its most players in the, was it August, September time last <laughs> yeah. year? When they started putting more content out and different stuff and the random stuff they put out. Why is that not in it's there? It's still in the sales charts now. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's been it went for up, five years. It's crazy stuff. Great. Really crazy. Yeah. Right. Oh, mystifying. Yeah. Right. My favorite section now. Music. The nominations this year are Cuphead, Get Even, Hellblade, Surprise, surprise. Horizon Zero Dawn, Legend of Zelda, and What Remains of Edith Finch. Now, the winner is Cuphead. I've got some thoughts on this, but I'll let you two guys go first before I start ranting for about half an hour. The only one I know is Breath of the Wild, which has a lovely soundtrack, but I wouldn't say it's anything more special than any of the previous Zeldas. The thing is, with the Breath of the Wild soundtrack, I can't remember anything. I know the sound effects, but there's mm. very little as far as... It's more musical stings than a yeah. proper soundtrack. Yeah, Either is, yeah, yeah it does not follow you throughout the game. Yeah, it's not quite the maybe the theme set pieces um, yeah. of some of the previous games. No, not at all. But then again, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I've, I've played it, to be fair. Well, here's my two penneth. Cuphead 1, and while it's still a good choice... It's Crazy Roaring Twenties Field that plays into the Betty Boop style visuals. I feel that the Edith Finch soundtrack is a finer piece of work. Again, it works perfectly with the game, but this work can actually be listened to on its own. Mm-hmm. It's as striking as Jessica Curry's Everybody's Gone to the Rapture that were a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that a guitarist from a kind of American rock grunge band uh, would write something so beautiful. But I've got a feeling that at Evil Noob would agree here too. Bree's the real expert on game soundtracks. You've got to listen to his Dork Tunes podcast if you don't already, because he'll tell you all about Edith Finch and Jessica Curry's work mm. to the nth degree, or way better than I can. <laughs> He's definitely more qualified. But the Cuphead stuff, yeah, but you separate it from the game itself. You know what I mean? And it's kind of mm. lost. Mm-hmm. It kind of is a novelty. Whereas I think, to me, Edith Finch is definitely a better soundtrack. It's definitely a better piece of music. Mm-hmm. So are you kind of saying that without, a bit, a bit like a film, yeah. to put it in, a, in a, an easier context, yeah. that you know you could go and listen to the Blade Runner soundtrack mm-hmm. or Batman or whatever, yeah. and it works. You can just zone out, listen to it, and although you're probably watching the film in your head, you don't have to watch the film. Whereas with Cuphead, does, are you saying that the soundtrack doesn't make much sense without, Playing the game, yeah, it, it would be and like, seeing what's on screen. It would be like listening to Mario Kart Eight soundtrack. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're gonna look be looked at as some kind of weirdo if you do that. But it works yeah. in the game, but you would not listen to it, you know, outside of the game. You wouldn't take it away as a piece of music. Mm. It can't stand on its own feet. Up next, we have best narrative, uh, and the nominees are Hellblade, Horizon Zero Dawn, Tamikam. T- Tacoma. 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 <laughs> what remains of Edith Finch? Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. And the winner, Night in the Woods. Uh, again, this is another award that's a mobile game winner 
to start off with, I think, mm-hmm. which has then come on to Steam and all your other console platforms. Mm. So Night in the Woods, is that where you just sit outside a tent with a campfire? We're just listening for bears? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks interesting art style, that's for sure. <laughs> Why ain't that in for art category then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is. It's a bit like Pepper Pepper's Pig. Pepper's Pig. Ah, oh, Pepper Pig. Pepper Pig. Still the finest game I've played on Wii. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. A original property. Nominees are Cuphead, Garudua. Gar- okay, go even, on. I can't do it. That's a new care. one. <laughs> How many times can we pronounce that differently <laughs> throughout this? <laughs> Every time I keep looking at it, I keep thinking something else. Gorogoa, Horizon Zero Dawn, Night in the Woods, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and What Remains of Edith Finch. And the winner was Horizon Zero Dawn. Hey, finally. Yeah. Any of those yeah, are probably a good choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, just because there just seems to be an interesting sort of take on sort of the story behind um, sort of Alloy um, within the game itself and what have you. And I think she seems to make quite a good protagonist that could potentially then spawn new sequels and things like that. Um, you know, so there's the possibility of sort of carrying on with that, um, with that game. Yeah, like you say, they're all fairly good contenders. I would possibly debate player unknown battlegrounds. Mm. Let's be fair. Although they're saying it's a battle royale because you all just get dumped in, it's still a multiplayer shooter. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they're all pretty good. Mm. The final category is for performer. The nominees are Abu Bakar Salim as Bayek in Assassin's Creed Origins, Ashley Birch as Alloy in Horizon Zero Dawn. Claudia Black as Chloe Fraser in Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Laura Bailey as Nadine Ross in Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Malini Jurgens as Senua in Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, and Valerie Rose Lohman as Edith Finch in What Remains of Edith Finch. The winner of the category was Malini Jurgens as Senua. It's nice that the performers are actually getting some recognition from this. I actually recognised um, a name there as well, Claudia Black. She's Claudia Black an Australian from, actress. She is from both Farscape, Farscape and Stargate. Yeah, yeah, Stargate SG One. Yeah, was yeah. She was in some of the later Stargate SG One. It was some of the later series in it. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see because I know games are starting to kind of get on par or slightly trump films, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to know how the performers took to the ward, if they're that bothered about it, if, you, if you're with me. Yeah. Mm. Would they get worked up about, you know, getting nominated? Would they think, oh, I'm Do they all wear black if they've not all been paid the same? That kind of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's great that they've been recognised. It's also surprising to see... Um, well, it's good to see so many women being acknowledged yeah. within the industry as well. You know, that's five out of six nominations were all women uh, within the category. Okay, so that about wraps it up for the winners um, and the nominees for the Gaming BAFTAs. Drop us a tweet, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if you think we've completely uh, missed the mark with possibly Edith Finch. Granted, I could play it, the other two can't because they're doing a stupid year of shame. <laughs> So that means I've got to play the games. But yeah, let us know. Let us know if, if we've fools for missing a game or if, or if we've hit the mark and you think something very similar. Um, and even if you think we've completely misunderstood some of the categories, but that's our, our interpretations. Okay, this week, Sega have suddenly decided that they kind of like getting money off people. 
so to continue on the wave of nostalgia over the past year or two with Nintendo releasing both the NES Mini and the SNES Mini, Sega have finally decided to actually release a an official Genesis slash Mega Drive Mini to be released at some time potentially this year. Sega have a very interesting background um, with respect to sort of minis and releasing sort of console or game compendiums um, for a variety of consoles and things. Even earlier this year, and to be released on May the 29th, there has already been a Sega Genesis collection announced for both the PS4 and the Xbox One. And with the, the rest of the sort of little consoles and what have you, you've been able to pick up you know, Genesis and Mega Drive minis in Argos for ages now, for in and around sort of 40 or 50 quid. So it's a really weird um, sort of announcement. Now, obviously, they are just copycatting Nintendo just to get some sales. Yeah, they are. And while, you know, the a mini Genesis or Mega Drive does sound like an interesting prospect, because of everything that Sega have now done previously, it feels as if it's only ever really going to be for collectors, um, because anybody else can just go out and pick up something else, you know, that has been released beforehand. Or they can just get the game compilation on their new shiny console that they've got. So yeah, it's very strange. There hasn't been an awful lot announced for about the details and things or the game list and what have you coming out for it. And we reckon if they're sort of aiming for the same sort of market as the NES and SNES, then they're going to put it in around maybe sort of 60 to 80 quid. If they do it any more than that, they're absolute muppets. Um, because it really will be just a collector's item um, for people. And it'll probably tank very, very quickly unless they just do limited numbers of it. So looking at the Genesis collection um, that has been announced, now there's a good sort of list of games and things coming out on this. So we've got things like Alex Kidd and the Enchanted Castle, Alien Soldier, Alien Storm, Altered Beast, which is on just about every Sega collection <laughs> ever. And I don't understand people enjoying it. Why? I, d- I don't know. It's awful. It, it is. Thank you, Kev. It's finally somebody <laughs> agrees with me. Um, there's some other good ones like Biohazard Battle, Comic Zone, uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, uh, Eastwatt, Game Ground, uh, which I know we'll be particularly happy for um, one of our previous guests. Things like Gunstar Heroes, which are is fantastic. Kid Chameleon, Landstalker, which is a really, really good um, RPG, as well as the Fantasy Star 2 and 3, and Fantasy Star 4. Shadow Dancer, there's a whole range of Sonic games. There's the Streets of Rage trilogy, uh, Toe Jam and Earl, and sort of a handful of other bits and pieces. But again, all of these are previously available on either different retro consoles or, um, you know, different... Uh, sort of compilations that have been out previously on the PlayStation 3. So it's, I don't know, it's very, very strange. It is, yeah. And I know I'm still catching up with Last Save Loaded. And I know Justin covered this um, a couple of weeks back about the new collection that was coming. Mm-hmm. Colin was saying, are you going to get it? And he's like, no, because I've already got them in the other collections that I've got. Yeah. Plus, if you've got an Xbox One, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm fairly sure one of them will be on a backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. So you could just go to CEX game wherever to get your pre-owned copy for 50p, probably between <laughs> probably, that and a yeah. fiver. Yeah. And you've got them anyway. <laughs> yep. Or go back to the last episode for a, a, a blog post that we're hopefully going to do very soon and make a Raspberry Pi with them all on. Absolutely. Yeah. They're all out there. Yeah. Yep. The only thing I can see it doing is the same as what the uh, Mini NES and Mini SNES did. It is very convenient 
You know, you're yeah. not having to change discs or anything like that. If if they can get it right, as far as you got a nice look, looking little console, and you just turn it on and get straight into the game, then fine. I'm I'm all for that, definitely, because mm. I've got the attention span of a gnat. Yeah. Now, one of the problems with that is that Sega have already announced that the maker of this little console is a company called At Games, which have actually made some of the previous um, flashback consoles. Oh yeah, yeah. as well. Now, oh, some they were dodgy. Yeah, well, some of those haven't been very well received. Mm. You know, while some of the slightly older models actually do take the original cartridges, which is a kind of cool little thing, yeah. this one definitely won't. So there's definite questions there about the whatever emulator or whatever that they're using mm. and just sort of the general setup of the little console itself as well. You know, I very much doubt that or at least they'll have to pull something out really impressive if they want to be as slick and as nice um, as the Nintendo offerings. Yeah, it's very interesting for sure. I was tempted with the SNES and then didn't. You're not just missing because it. I thought, well, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to play it. And like I said in previous episodes, I like to keep my nostalgia. I'd have a go on it, maybe if I'm drunk or something on a bit of Golden Eye. But they'll be never as good as those childhood memories of sitting and playing N64 mm. and <laughs> yeah. you know Star Fox, Golden Eye, you know all that stuff. But I thought I would take a slightly different spin on this from a from a lapsed gamer's point of view. Okay. So if you have, I won't say deep pockets, but let's go for the extreme that Sega are going to be very greedy Mm -hmm. and they're going to price this at, let's say, £100 just to make maths easy. You can pick up a next gen Xbox One. Mm -hmm. I presume it's the first gen. These All these prices are off CEX for £140. Wow. For an Xbox One? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Secondhand, pre-owned. So there you've got a next gen console you've got a foot in the door for next gen yeah. which is something that you know laps gamers might be getting into so you could sack off getting this sega thing or even one of the nezzers rather than trying to track one of them down mm. an extra 40 quid you know a month or two months saving mm. you've got an xbox one okay it's without any games but if you are a gamer that's looking to upgrade and you've got a 360 or the original xbox and you've still got a stack of games oh yeah a lot of those are now backwards compatible yeah. Again, another step in the door, and it's saving you some pennies, and you can kind of buy the console, have something to play on it, because there's nothing worse than buying a console and having Jack Jones to play on it. So you've got some games, and then you can save up for the other games, but you can also get some backwards compatibility games for about 50p. And then doing a little bit of research, you can get games for the PS4 and the Xbox One from about a five a second hand. Some decent Some of these are, yeah, some of them are your football games, which are a few years out of date. Mm -hmm. But you're looking at watchdogs and and things like that, probably Rise Mm. and whatnot. If you saved for a little bit longer, you could get yourself a PS4. Mm. Um, And you're looking at about £180 for that. They're a little bit, they're holding their value a little bit more because up until the One X, they were winning this console war. They might still be winning. They're winning by numbers, definitely. There's more people (laughs) taking them on. Yeah. Um, If you were still looking for a, a Switch, you're looking more 200, 250. But it was just to put it into perspective a little bit. I did a little bit of research and, you know, these these minis that are coming out that, like you say, are for the collectors. Mm. But if it did spot your interest and you were thinking of saving for it, then, you know, maybe your original Xbox or your 360 has gone pop. Just save a little bit more. There's a very good chance that your Sega game console disc or whatever that you've got for the 360 or the original Xbox will work yeah. in the Xbox. Mm. That's the beauty of that. Or if you just want to dive straight in and get a PS4, £180 and games start second hand for about a fiver. Yeah. 
And like we say, you can get some fairly decent games for that. And I just thought I'd do that just because, like I say, my nostalgia is staying in the past <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> Wise um, Yeah. And it's just to kind of get people into that next gen and just kind of put in the current price benchmarks, if you mm. like, secondhand. Uh, how you approach it as well like that, You with the Xbox One and the PS4, you're open-ended. The Sega is going to be a closed console. You mm. can't yes. add to it. So, And, and if you were, were to make the plunge as well, I'm fairly sure that if you're a gamer, you'll know gamers. There might be someone at work, so someone might be able to borrow you oh, a few yeah. games. Easy. Or they might even give you them, sell you them, whatever. I mean, if you like Colum and you go into all these charity shops, you'll get goodness knows <laughs> what from them anyway. Sacks loads. Um, yeah. And, and don't forget, this is just from one store as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you had a 360, you could trade in just the console, get a bit of cash back, you know, just something to put out there. Yeah. I also did a little bit of research knowing that this was going to be on the topic tonight. And if you already have a PC and you already have a Steam account, you can currently go on to Steam and buy the Mega Drive slash Genesis collector's pack, which is 59 games in total and will <laughs> cost $47.99. Wow. Now, if you wait a little while until, say, the next Steam sale, um, I dare say that will probably drop down to at least 50% off, if not necessarily maybe even 75% off. So you could get an absolute ton of games. And also actually looking at the list, it includes Sonic CD as well, which Mm. isn't included on any of these um, consoles or little collectors, um, game collections. And let's face it, the next Steam sale is coming around the corner. It'll be about next Tuesday, probably. (laughs) Quite quite possibly. (laughs) Yeah. We do a sale. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the Mini compares to the Nintendo Minis Mm -hmm. that we've had recently. In more ways than one, build quality and also the fan base behind it. I don't know if Sega have managed to retain that big fan base that Nintendo Mm -hmm. have. There's a, I think there's a lot more nostalgia for Nintendo than there is Sega from my point of view. Do you think it's um, because Sega just sold off all their assets? Everything that they had that made them so special, they sold to anybody that would give them money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Possibly, yeah. Pretty much. yeah. One thing about the Nintendo Minis is also the fact that it basically collected all of those games in one place for the very first time. Yeah. Now, admittedly, some of them have been on the virtual consoles and things on some of the other, you know, the 3DS. Uh, the Wii, the Wii U, and potentially coming onto the Switch and stuff as well. But it's still all of them in one go, in one single little package, um, which means not having to buy them all separately. We will see. Yeah. We'll get give you more information when we get it. Yeah, I don't think it's worth writing it off just yet, because let's face it, the Mini NES and the Mini SNES took us completely by surprise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they did big guns, way mm. more than I think Nintendo expected as well. Yeah. So, who knows? Fingers crossed for Sega, I suppose. Any money that they can get in, you know, just to keep going. Well, definitely um, worth it. Yeah, I was looking at their financials the other day there, and um, they Sega as a company themselves are actually doing very well anyway. Um, they're certainly not short of a penny or two. Um, so whatever it is that they're doing, seemingly behind everybody else's backs, um, because it's very hard to actually think of any say, you know anything successful by Sega. Pachinko machine. Yeah, well, yeah. But they're also, <laughs> you know, technically they are still publishing um, software and what have you. There's things like the Total War series and what have you. Yeah, um, are still doing massive numbers um, on PC and things like that. Yeah, I forget that they're Sega. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, if Sega really wanted to pull the trigger, there's probably an awful lot of their back catalogue 
um, that could be brought either up onto new consoles or put onto Steam um, that people would love to try and get their hands on. You know, if they eventually get around to doing anything with the Dreamcast, maybe they could be sort of potentially sort of testing the waters with this. Ooh. You know, there's an awful lot of big games out there that people would like to see brought back. So we'll just wait and see. Well, there's a lot of games on the Dreamcast that are just solely Dreamcast as well. Yeah. Yep, you don't absolutely. see them anywhere else. Even things like Jet Set Radio only sort of made one little excursion on the what original Xbox. Yeah. Um, Jet Set Radio Future, whatever it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's an awful lot of other ones that just never made those jumps. Mm. So, yeah. Could be interesting, but Sega have an uphill struggle, I think, to sort of fight against all the sort of potentially bad decisions that they've made previously. <laughs> okay, so moving on, um, it's back over to you again, Stu. Uh, we've been in contact with Andy Antonio uh, at Furry Dragon Tail. Furry Tail Dragon. Tail Dragon. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're going to hand back over to <laughs> Stu uh, just for a quick EGX Res update. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't uh, go to the show this year, but he's been in contact with a previous guest on the show. I have indeed, yes. Um, it was EGX Res this week and in London. So that's the sort of 13th, 14th and 15th um, of April. Last time I was at EGX Res was last year and it was actually my first time and Compared to the big EGX, EGX Raised is just such a nice, chilled, um, very much an indie focus um, um, event um, held in just the Tobacco Dock down in uh, London, uh, which is just a really nice um, sort of events, sort of conference um, sort of building and things like that. But it holds up so well for the games and things because they're all in separate little rooms. It feels as if you know, everything sort of sectioned off a little bit more than, say, EGX, where it's just a massive, massive hall um, and everything's just sort of set out separately on the floor plan and what have you. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it this year. Um, I'm planning on doing other things within the sort of coming weeks and things, and it just didn't sort of fall right. But what I did do was I messaged a previous guest, Andy Antonio, at Fairy Tail Dragon on Twitter, just because I knew he was going and just to see what he thought of some of the games um, that he actually saw the, this year. So, Let's face it, we talk to him every day, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's no biggie. <laughs> yeah. So he came back to me and he says, okay, so full disclaimer, I didn't play nearly enough this year and spent most of my time chatting with friends and playing their games. So half of the games here are friends' games, but I do genuinely love them. Also, I couldn't decide between a few games, so I gave myself the additional constraint of only listing games I played for the very first time. So here's the list in no particular order. So first one up is Before I Forget by At Threefold Games. Um, well, that, these are the Twitter handles, so At Threefold Games. Extremely beautiful, immersive and touching game about dementia, which uses its mechanics and level design to create a very clever, engaging twist which tugs on your heartstrings. Next up he has Nothing to Fear by Delala Studios. D-L-A-L-A Studios on Twitter. Hilarious stealth game about the boogeyman's son trying to bring fear back to a world which has lost its fear. Tons of personality, even down to the subtle mannerisms of the characters. Next one is Umwelt by At Cardboard Games. Um, this is one I've actually played as well. I it's quite a like very, cardboard. Yeah. It's a very clever idea and a wonderful puzzle game that lets you really, literally rewire a brain to see the world in different ways in order to solve puzzles and escape. Oh, wow. This is one that I've actually played um, because it's a Northern Ireland games company. Um, I've actually made yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so I played it at the last uh, Games NI Awards night. It's really interesting. It's played from a first-person perspective. 
um, and you're sort of going around, you know, a couple of rooms or whatever in a hotel. But there are certain clues that you can only see by rewiring your brain in certain ways. So to start off with, you only have, you know, one little sort of bionic um, sort of attachment that you can use. So it'll either be a particular color filter. So you might be able to, you might have a red color filter, which will let you see, you know, little bits and pieces of either blood or potentially something else or there's a sound attachment um, that you can get as well which means that you'll be able to hear things in certain rooms as well um sort of either phone conversations or maybe something on the tv or the radio and things um as you progress through the game and get a little bit further there'll be um sort of different implants that you'll then be able to use so you'll be able to use them maybe one or two um, or three of those different implants at one time in a combination to try and find other clues and what have you in the same room um, or different rooms and things. So yeah, really, really interesting. Um, I know this was in the left field collection, which is always um, mm. a really good place to go because it's the more sort of slightly off the wall games as opposed to necessarily the sort of the commercially, you know, the ones that are sort of earmarked for commercial success and things like that. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. So basically, on this year, the six million dollar man crossed with <laughs> the full Black and Decker toolkit. <laughs> you sort of, yeah. <laughs> His next recommendation was Fogs, yeah, spelled P-H-O-G-S by Bitloom Games. Uh, the hype is real. This is a super cute and endearing, and is one of the best modern couch co-op games ever. Well, I mean, there's gang beasts too, but this is cuter and only requires one controller. Um, so yeah, I've seen an awful lot of people um, have been taking pictures. Um, basically, at the event, uh, Bitloom Games had a little dog bed, which basically had like a two-headed big dog draft excluder thing, um, which just sort of hugged people <laughs> as such, or at least they made it look as if they were being hugged by it. So yeah, the, the game looks really, really nice. Uh, Last on his list then is Like Roots in the Soil by Space Backyard. It's a beautiful and super short and the only interaction you have is that you can turn the camera by rotating a physical can with a tiny plant hole or plant potted in it. It tells two stories simultaneously and together they tell a greater story. Um, Although it's simple, I've thought about it several times since leaving the show. I've read just sort of a very quick article um, on Waypoint by uh, Kate Gray. Uh, the freelance journalist who writes for a number of um, different publications, different websites. And um, from what I can tell, it looks really, really nice. It's also currently free on itch.io. This was in the left field collection. So again, it's one of those a little bit off the wall. And again, like an awful lot of the ones, you know, if you actually start going looking for these games, some of them will be currently available um, as sort of little free downloads and things, or at least sort of little tasters. Um, on things like itch and even steam and things like that as well he then finishes off his little review saying that and if you're a four-year-old or if you'd like a four-year-old's perspective his little one's favorites were gang beasts smash tanks fogs flashing lights and wobble garden wobble garden is whether or not you've seen this on twitter um, wobble garden is a physical game with the lights springs music and glasses uh, that makes everything look very psychedelic the wobble springs are, you know, those um, sort of door stoppers um, that go. Go and look Wobble Garden up on the internet, and you'll find plenty of little videos. It even just as a piece of sort of um, slightly surreal art, it looks wonderful. But the fact that people are then incorporating it into games or even writing games for it as well as a piece of hardware is very impressive. So yeah, those were his recommendations. 
I had a very quick look at the games um, that were available as well, and there was a couple of ones actually that are um, that I have played um, either at EGX or EGX Raised um, last year. My first choice was Augmented Empire um, on the Gear VR, which is just a stunning sort of elevated viewpoint um, sort of turn-based strategy game um, with a really really good sort of steampunk story uh, running through it as well. Next up up was Ava Airborne by Laserdog Games, um, which is a brilliant little sort of one button, you could almost call it like a sort of infinite runner, but it's not quite, it's like a paper plane toss thing where you sort of tap the screen or tap the button on your Apple TV controller or, you know, uh, the button on whatever other controller you're using. And Ava sort of directs her little glider uh, that she's using and just tries to get a little bit further in the stage. Really, really nice to play. Um, has been um, is currently now available actually on iOS. Um, unfortunately, it is iOS 11 and upwards only. Um, but I think they're also looking at then um, getting a console release later in the year as well. Uh, Blockships was again um, available, which is just a mad, mad multiplayer. Um, sort of four players on screen. You each control a little block of a ship, and there are loads of different attachments lying around that you basically attach to your ship by running into them, but um, be they engines or weapons, they only point in the direction that you pick them up in, um, or in one particular direction. So it's just chaos, um, but really, really fun little game. Another one by Throughline Games is Forgotten Anne, um, which has just been stunning looking. It's a sort of Ghibli-esque 2D sort of platformer puzzle game um, but it just looks absolutely beautiful it's like hand drawn sort of animation um, in the way that it's done very very good game Gang Beasts was also there um, another one then Sonic Mania um, which a lot of people have talked about um, I've mentioned Unwelt by Covered Games uh, Sure Footing um, which is a procedurally generated sort of infinite runner as well and finally Wargroove which is I want to say it's an Advanced Wars clone and to a certain extent it is, but it has its own sort of style and aesthetic to it and what have you. It's also coming out for the Switch, which is very interesting that Nintendo are letting something like that out without necessarily potentially looking at a new Advance Wars game. Um, so yeah, plenty of games that were there um, are definitely worth looking out for. And uh, from what I can tell, um, sort of looking on Twitter and things, EGX Res was definitely well received this year. Um, it seemed to be a really good event. They had some really, really good um, developer sessions and things on, as well as some other sessions about sort of, you know, uh, marketing and what have you for um, indie developers and things like that, and even some on sort of getting into the freelance uh, writing sort of side of games as well. I have a feeling that a lot of this stuff is going to turn up on the Switch as well. After what we yeah. saw last year at EGX, you know, and you'd got a lot of the indies turning up and displaying stuff on Switches, I wouldn't be surprised to see quite a high percentage of these turning up on there. Absolutely. And it's funny that, you know, as soon as a new game gets sort of announced, the follow-up question is, when's it coming to Switch? (laughs) Which I think says an awful lot more about the fact that people do love playing games, um, you know, on a mobile console, on a console that they can take with them. On the toilet. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, on flights or whatever, on train journeys. Yep. People's commutes and things. Nintendo absolutely knocked it out of the park with the Switch because nobody was necessarily expecting it. And it's brought a real love of gaming, you know, in a portable way back. Yeah, massively. 
So I just want to say a massive thank you to Andy um, since being on the show oh, nearly a year ago. Yeah, nearly a year ago. I think yeah. so. Um, he's been a massive supporter of the show. If any other devs that we've mentioned or was at Res um, that would like to, to come on the show to talk to us about their game, please get in touch um, either on our Twitter at Apps Gamer Radio uh, or get in touch with Andy uh, and he'll, you know, get, you know, whatever the words are. Pass the details on. He will... Uh, Yes, he will pass it on to us and uh, we can make something happen there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, gents, I think we've uh, about covered enough for this episode. Um, Anything else from either of you? Nah. No? You're not tempted with that Yakuza set that I tweeted you earlier, Kev? Ah, you evil, evil (laughs) individual. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lovely collector's edition. You are going to rot in hell. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already there, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> it does look good. I'll give you that. The book looks beautiful and the whiskey glasses look amazing. But I'm going to stick to my guns. As hard as it's going to be. You're cringing. <laughs> I'm, I'm welling up. <laughs> right, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode and uh, talking about all random things to do with the BAFTAs and other random bits and bobs. Yeah. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.